You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. Well, good morning, everyone. Happy Sunday. I hope you're having a wonderful morning. Hope you had some great breakfast, maybe made some toast, some cereal, pancakes maybe, um, and you're just ready to enjoy a word from the Lord. So uh, please turn in your copy of Scripture to Revelation 3, 14, and we will be reading from there very shortly Um, I really pray that you guys had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I can imagine that um, it was a very different one uh, for all of us this year. Um, Some of you may be dealing with loss, uh, maybe from a job um, of a loved one, of cherished family traditions. And some of you may have even felt alone this Thanksgiving, and I'm so sorry. Um, But I'm just so glad that we have a God who's present with us, even in the midst of so much uncertainty, aren't you? And man, holidays certainly feel abnormal this year, don't they? Uh, A couple weeks ago, some of my friends and I were searching Pinterest to come up with our perfect Halloween group costume to wear to our wonderfully innocent Uh, Christian college Halloween party. Uh, And it's always been a dream of mine to be in a group costume. So needless to say, I was very excited. And uh, it kind of turned into this like celebrity lookalike comparison where we're like, oh my gosh, you could totally pass as Rachel from Friends. Or hey, you could be like Pam from The Office. And we're laughing it up, having a great time, shooting the breeze. And then I excitedly ask, you guys, Who is it for me? Who do I look like? Who could I dress up as? And uh, my dear, kind friends, in all sincerity, uh, they're so excited. They hold up their phone and say, oh my gosh, Reagan, you look just like Darla from Finding Nemo. Ah, amazing, yes. Oh, I think we have a a visual for reference. And I mean, obviously, the resemblance is uncanny. Now, I'll admit, I'm a sensitive lady. My heart gets bruised probably a little too frequently. Uh, But I mean, come on. After someone compares you to Darla from Finding Nemo, I would like to see how you react. Now, I will say, however, that that scene that we just saw is one of my absolute favorites from Finding Nemo. Great film, by the way. And for those of you who may not have seen it, Darla, she takes Nemo in uh, his little plastic baggie, and she thinks he's dead. And so she shakes him, like, profusely, trying to wake him up. And uh, I realized after uh, that conversation with my friends that, I think I can actually do a pretty great Darla-esque impression. And I'm going to do it for you right now. I know that you want to see it. All right? It goes a little something like this. Wake up, fishy! Wake up! Why are you sleeping? Yeah, that's, that's it. I can just, I can feel even through the screen, through the video camera, your applause um, at that Oscar-winning performance. Thank you. Uh, I worked really hard on it. Now, all silliness aside, and I say this with complete sincerity, I believe with strong conviction that God is speaking this message to us. And I'll explain more in a moment. 
as a church family, and frankly, as the American Christian population in general, I think that we have been sleeping for a little while. And I think it's been a while too long. I haven't been able to shake this message from the Lord that has been echoing in and all around me for weeks now. It's been distracting me. It's been keeping me awake at night. It's just been screaming to me from the pages of my Bible. It's as if God is calling us with urgency, saying, Reagan, wake up. Gateway Church, wake up. Why are you sleeping? Which leads me to the title of my message. It's called Wake Up. So I invite you guys to open your copy of God's Word. As I mentioned, we will be reading from Revelation 3, 14 through 20. Now, the author of Revelation is most commonly believed to be the Apostle John. And he writes at the beginning of this book that he has received a revelation from Jesus Christ to share with his audience, which are these seven local churches in the Southwest Asia Minor. Now, it's important to note that each of these churches were having issues, some of them with persecution, some of them with doctrinal and practical problems. But most commentators note that each church was dealing with an intense underlying spiritual warfare, which John recognized. And the Lord used him to speak a message of correction and comfort to these churches. So we're going to pick up right here as the Lord instructs John in Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. I invite you to read with me. He says, Write to the angel of the church in Laodicea. Thus says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the originator of God's creation. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I am going to vomit you out of my mouth. For you say, I'm rich. I have become wealthy and need nothing. And you don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you may be rich, white clothes so that you may be dressed and your shameful nakedness not be exposed, and ointment to spread on your eyes so that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be zealous and repent. See, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to eat with him and he with me. We read in this passage that John is addressing the church in Laodicea, and I want to tell you guys a little bit about this city. All right, so Laodicea is located in modern-day Turkey, which uh, was widely known as a wealthy and very important city. And the Laodiceans, they knew it too. In fact, there was famously a devastating earthquake that completely decimated that entire region in AD 60. But the Laodiceans, they refused any help for the rebuilding of their city. They said, oh, no, 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 no. 
We have the resources. We don't need your help. But for a city with so much confidence, Laodicea actually had a lot of weaknesses. For instance, they had a poor water supply that made them really vulnerable to an attack by siege. So essentially, if an enemy was surrounding their city, they were in major trouble because they had insufficient water supplies to survive a lengthy attack. Therefore, the Laodicean leaders were always accommodating to the enemies they encountered. They always wanted to negotiate, uh, to play the middle ground, to sit comfortably, rather than to engage in a fight. And their main supply of water actually came to the Laodiceans by means of a six-mile aqueduct from the hot springs in Hierapolis. So I kind of want you to imagine this with me. Because the water came from hot springs, as it traveled those long six miles all the way to arrive at Laodicea, historians remark that it would arrive at the most tepid, unappetizingly lukewarm temperature. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't think it's a coincidence that John compared the Laodiceans to lukewarm water. This comparison, it seems, would immediately connect with them as they tasted this unappetizing, lukewarm water nearly every day of their lives. And now, although John wrote to this very specific group of people at a very specific time in history, I'm convinced that there is a lot we can learn from the Lord's message to the Laodiceans. I would suggest to you that we are living in a time where it is incredibly appealing to live a lukewarm Christian life. One that feels good, one that feels comfortable, one that makes us feel good about ourselves. So I invite you to join me as we dive deeper into this passage and ask God to speak to us uh, collectively, even in our homes. So join with me in prayer, will you? Jesus, we thank you so much for the truth that you spoke to John in Revelation. We thank you for the truth of your word um, and that you desire to reveal it to us today. Holy Spirit, would you meet families, singles, couples in their homes this morning as we dig into your word? Would you speak to us? Would you bring correction and comfort? Would you speak through me this morning? And would you just lead us into a deeper and more powerful experience in your presence than we've had before. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Now let's first review Luke's, I'm sorry, God's words to the Laodiceans in verse 15. Let's look at this again. It says, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So... Because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I am going to vomit you out of my mouth. In a spiritual sense, lukewarmness conveys a picture of indifference and compromise. It plays the middle. It's too hot to be cold and it's too cold to be hot. And as a result, it ends up being a disgusting nothing. It's as if in this passage, the Lord is comparing the Laodiceans directly to the water of which they are so familiar. It's like he's saying, Laodicea, 
Just as the water you drink is disgustingly lukewarm, you are lukewarm. You are neither cold nor hot. And it disgusts me. It disgusts me so much that it makes me want to throw up. I am going to vomit you out of my mouth. Kind of harsh, huh? Which brings me to my first point. He knows our works. Church, he knows our works. I ask you this. When God takes a look at the American church today, what do you think he sees? Now, I can't claim for even a second to know what your spiritual life looks like. But do you know what I'm terrified to admit? You know what really scares me? I think that maybe collectively, God sees a body of lukewarm believers, a group of people who are too cold to be hot and too hot to be cold. And if you don't believe me, I ask you to take a look at the church for yourself. At arguably one of the most pitiful times in our lifetime to be the church as God has intended us to be, we've shrunk back. Church attendance has declined astronomically in 2020. Varna Research conducted a study in July that revealed that since the beginning of the global pandemic, one in three self-professing Christians has stopped attending church, either in person or online. The economy has plummeted. People are losing their jobs. Nationally, our unemployment has increased by 12 million. Church, wake up. Why are you sleeping? Relationships are enduring more stress and tension than ever before. This summer, divorce agreement sales saw a staggering 34% increase from last year. People are weary. They feel like they're running out of options. Gateway, wake up. Why are you sleeping? People are struggling with their mental health more than ever before. The CDC reports that in direct correlation with the global pandemic, over 40% of Americans are experiencing at least one adverse mental or behavioral health condition. Now this includes anxiety, depression, symptoms of trauma, and even increased substance abuse. People are gasping for air. They're desperate. Wake up. Why are you sleeping? Our brothers and sisters of color in our nation are crying out after centuries of injustice to be heard by us. And if we dare even for one moment to look outside the confines of our own nation, we'll find that there are 3.23 billion people considered unreached by the gospel of Jesus. Reagan, wake up. Why are you sleeping? God sees our works. He sees our lukewarm state and he is appalled by it. When we neglect to allow our relationship with the Lord to bleed into everything that we say and do, we are embodying empty religion, just like the Laodiceans. One commentator challenges his readers this way. He asks them this. Has there been a greater curse upon the earth than empty religion? 
Is there any soul harder to reach than the one who has had just enough of Jesus to think they have enough? The church of Laodicea exemplifies empty religion. And tax collectors and harlots were more open to Jesus than the scribes and Pharisees. Satan will have us any way he can get us. But he prizes a lukewarm religionist far above a cold-hearted sinner. I'm going to read that again. Satan will have us any way he can get us. But he prizes a lukewarm religionist far above a cold-hearted sinner. Gateway Church, I ask you, will we allow our passiveness our half-hearted dedication to the call of God to be used for the schemes of the enemy? Or will we choose to fully engage in the time that God has strategically placed us in? I want to take a look now at verse 17, which says this, For you say, I'm rich. I have become wealthy and need nothing. And you don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I don't know if anyone else can relate to this, but I have a tendency to be completely oblivious to the temperature outside. I'm someone that doesn't check my weather app nearly enough, and I just walk out the door with the attitude of, you know what? I don't care what the weather is outside. I got this shirt on a Black Friday sale, and I feel as if the Spirit is leading me to wear it, and therefore, I must obey. Can I get an amen? Now, this used to be a big problem for me when I was a kid. I would be ready to walk out the door in the dead of West Michigan winter with no hat, no coat, no boots, just my favorite capris, short sleeve shirt, sneakers, and my mom would say, Reagan, did you, you know, take care to notice the frozen tundra outside. And I would say, Mom, I'm good. I'm fine. I have all I need. I am good to go. And I would go outside. I'd play with my neighbors and like clockwork. I would return inside about 20 minutes later with freezing cold fingers and unstoppably runny nose and severely wounded pride. Now, I couldn't recognize my own need for warmer clothing. Or at least I was not willing to recognize it until it was too late. Which brings me to my second point. We don't know our works. The church at Laodicea lacked an awareness of their spiritual malnourishment. When they looked at their own spiritual condition, they said, rich. They looked a second time and said, wealthy. They looked a third time and said, Psh, we have need of nothing. But when Jesus looked at their spiritual condition, he said, wretched. He looked a second time and said, poor. He looked a third time and said, blind. He looked one final time and saw that they were spiritually naked. And whatever way we spin this interpretation, the church was either unwilling were unable to see their lack. And let me tell you something. Like you, I have been unwilling to see my spiritual nakedness. I have been unwilling to recognize the apathy, 
the indifference, the passivity of my spiritual life. I have become proud and self-righteous in my devotional life. I have allowed my time spent in God's presence to build my ego rather than my spiritual preparedness. Like you, I have allowed the word of God to seep deeply into my soul, only to dig it back up when it threatens to move me to uncomfortable action. I have used the pandemic as an excuse to process rather than to speak the truth of God's word and declare it, engaging in the calling that he's placed in front of me. But the Holy Spirit, he has deeply convicted me of this because I've taken my time to process. I've done it for six, eight months maybe, and you know what conclusion I've come to? My world needs Jesus. It needs a move of God. But before I can see a move of God in our world, I need to see a move of God in me. I need God's gold refined in the fire so that I may be rich in his presence. I need his white garments to clothe me so that I no longer am naked in my ignorance. I need salve for my eyes so that maybe for the first time in a long time, I can see. I need the Holy Spirit to wake me up. And I just have this sense that the Spirit is trying to wake up some of you as well. And Liz, you can come forward. God tells the Laodiceans in verse 19, let's look at this again. He says, as many as I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be zealous and repent. In reading this really harsh rebuke in this chapter, I've asked myself, did Jesus cease to love the Laodicean church? No, not even for a moment. He actually loved them all the more. Hebrews 2.16 tells us that the Lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son he receives. He still loves us. Isn't that good news? It's actually in this rebuke to the church that the Laodiceans can feel Jesus' love for them so profoundly. And the same goes for us. He loves you. He loves you so much. As the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sleepiness, of our lethargic state, he is showing us the love of Jesus for us. The love that doesn't let us stay where we are, but the love that calls us back to a place of spiritual nourishment and refreshing, calls us back to his presence and his power. So church, what are we to do? How are we to move forward from here? Well, the Lord provides some pretty clear instructions in the text 
uh, that are far better than any application points I could come up with on my own. So I want to give those to you. He says, be zealous and repent. Be zealous and repent. Be zealous and repent. The word repent is drawn from the Greek word metanoeo, and it's a verb, which I'll remind you if you've forgotten from your elementary school grammar lessons, is an action word, and it means to change one's mind, to change one's mind for the better, to heartily amend with abhorrence of one's past sins. And the word zealous is drawn from the Greek word zelao, and it's also a verb, and it means to burn with zeal, to earnestly desire, to pursue. So stick with me uh, here for just a few more moments, and I'm going to give you guys some time to respond at home. I believe the Lord is communicating to us our need for two things, and you can write these down if you want. You ready? The Lord is waking us up to our need for a new posture and a new power. A new posture and a new power. Let's take a look at a new posture. I believe that there are some of you today, including myself, that need to get on our knees in humility before our sovereign creator and say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've been wretched. I'm sorry that I've been poor. I'm sorry that I've been blind. I'm sorry that I've been lukewarm. I'm sorry for practicing empty religion rather than responding to the broken world in front of me. My friends, we desperately need to practice a posture of repentance. We also need a new power. If we are to change our temperature as believers, to leave our lukewarm state behind, to earnestly desire, to pursue, to burn with zeal inside of us from the inside out, we need a new power. We need the Holy Spirit to set us on fire with his presence. Do you wanna be an effective business person? You need the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you want to teach and impact the lives of your students? You need the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you want to raise your children to love the Lord? You need the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you want to fight injustice? You need the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you want to be a witness to your family? in your neighborhood, in the workplace, overseas. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. So with these two challenges in mind, we're going to enter into a time of response, and I'm so excited for how God's going to speak to us. And as we worship and respond, I invite you alongside me to respond to the word that the Lord is speaking to us tell you what I'm going to do. As we respond, I'm probably going to go sit down over there and I'm going to get down on my knees just like I've done every morning for the past several weeks. And I'm going to 
repent of my lukewarmness. I'm gonna say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my lukewarmness. I'm sorry I've been blind. I'm sorry I've been wretched. And then I'm going to humbly receive the grace that he set right in front of me. It's been there for me to receive all along. I invite you guys to do the same, whether that be in your living room, in your bedroom, in your kitchen, wherever it is. And secondly, I'm going to ask the Lord to set me ablaze once again with the power of the Holy Spirit because I yearn to burn with zeal from the inside out. And I have a feeling that some of you may want and need a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit on your lives today. Perhaps you need a reminder of the power that comes when the Holy Spirit is activated in your life. I want to encourage you. This passage says that he stands at the door and knocks. He is earnestly pursuing you. He's waiting for you to respond, to open the door. Will you let him in? Will you let the Holy Spirit come in and completely transform your life? Let's pray. God, we're sorry but we thank you that you are gracious and that we can love because you first love us. You give us your grace and your mercy even when we don't deserve it. Holy Spirit, would you meet us this morning wherever we are? Would you convict us? And would you love on us? Would you help us to turn from our lukewarmness? to desire your posture of repentance, but to really just desire more of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. God, we need you. We cannot do anything without you. Activate the Holy Spirit inside of us this morning. We thank you, Jesus, for the word that you've spoken to us this morning. We bless you. We honor your name. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, church, let's be zealous and let's repent. Amen. Thank you, Reagan. Incredible word. I believe this word is for us at this moment. We're a few minutes, about five minutes till the top of the hour. And we just want to take another moment here before we hustle off to the rest of our day. Today's Sunday. And we're here in the presence of God. And I believe that the Lord wants us to respond. Like Reagan mentioned, you may want to get on your knees right where you are. If you're still in bed, just slip out of your bed. Or if you're on the couch, slip, slip onto, onto the floor at your house. And begin to cry out to God. When Reagan was speaking, my heart was just saying, yes, I need to repent as well. We all do. We all need to wake up. And I believe that God is doing that. If you're watching this morning and you feel like you're far away from God, the Spirit of Jesus is here. If you're watching this morning and you feel like you're lost, Jesus is 
is calling. Behold, Jesus is here. If you're watching and you, you felt a call of God on your life, but you've walked away from that calling, the Spirit of Jesus is here. Maybe you're watching this morning and you feel like you've been looked over in some way. Behold, the Lord is here with a new posture, a, a new power that is rushing into your life right now. Maybe you've tried to run away, but the Spirit of God is pulling you back. Maybe you've been working even at the church and you feel distant. The Spirit of God is here this morning for you. He wants to speak to you. He wants you to be in His presence. Maybe you're watching and maybe you've been dragged along or maybe you just tuned in right now and you've forgotten about Jesus or maybe you've been so busy that your life has just you know, been caught up in your own selfish ways. But today, the Lord is here. Behold, the word of the Lord this morning for you is to wake up is to wake up. He loves us. Reagan, thank you for the reminder. And as we bring ourselves to a new place, a new posture of repentance, there is a new power, a new ability, a new authority that will be just poured into our lives as we spend some time in his presence. I've asked Liz to lead the song that we sang a little earlier. There's no better place that I'd rather be than in your presence. And we're going to close with this song. And I just want you just, this song, just to spill over you. Let Liz, as she sings that, or as you sing along, let it just build your spirit and put you in a place where you are connecting with the Lord in a new and in a powerful way. Praise the Lord. This morning as we wrap up, I just want you to know that we are praying for you in this season. We love you. We believe God is working. And God is calling the church to wake up. And the church is not a building where we're standing here. The church is represented in your life. Be the church. Wake up, Gateway Church. The world needs Jesus. Your neighbors, my neighbors, need Jesus. He needs, Jesus needs you and I to lift our voice so others know that he loves us, that he loves them. And I believe that God is calling us in this moment to do that. We take the presence of God that we're experiencing right now, we take it with us. And so, Father, right now I pray 
no matter what our day looks like, no matter what our week looks like ahead, I pray that we would be awakened and Jesus, that you would use us. Use me for your glory, for your honor. And Jesus, I pray that you'd go before us, behind us, and all around us. In this season, we've said that mission starts with us. It starts with right here. And I pray that this week, that would be very evident. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We love you. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in. Continue in the presence of God right where you are. God bless you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.